0: this is the all pro wrestling 100 podcast for december 10th 2020 i'm your host jb this podcast is all pro wrestling and it is only pro wrestling this is your one podcast stop for all of your pro wrestling news entertainment rumors sarcasm recaps humor it's all right here in one stop usually less than a half hour this episode is the aew dynamite recap Two and a half hours of greatness. We're going to get right to it. TH2 Helico and his partner Gentleman Jack taking on the Young Bucks, the tag team champions, in a non-title match. A non-title match. I hate it. Anyway, non-title match. Young Bucks win, of course. There's a lot of dancing in this match, a lot of unrealistic choreography. This is why I never liked the Young Bucks. And don't get me wrong. The Young Bucks, I'd seen before they got to AEW, put on some of the greatest tag team matches I'd ever seen against other great tag teams. But when you've got a team like TH2 in there that does a lot of dancing, let's be honest, they got an interesting moveset, but it's based a lot on like free-form movement, and a lot of the movement is impractical. And then you got the Young Bucks, they play to that. So you hear Tony Schiavone in this match saying things like, I've never seen some of these moves before. Yeah, Tony, you know why? Because they're completely impractical. Because they're not wrestling moves, so wrestlers have never tried them. It's a bunch of nonsense. It's, It's what I hate about the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks come out on top, and all I can think about when this match ends is how the Young Bucks were saying two months ago when they're feuding against FTR that the FTR, they were out practicing their matches that they're guilty of match practicing, and then FTR, they get all offended, like, how dare you accuse us of practicing our matches? Look, FTR should have been offended because nobody practices their matches more than the Young Bucks. I'm going to give you all a quick history lesson. This podcast, when it started, we used to have a history segment almost every episode, but every episode was an hour and 15 minutes, and it's you can't do that. I have to take a break to eat and go to the bathroom. So we do shorter segments now, and we don't do the history segment. I'm going to give you some quick history. Randy Savage made his name by choreographing, step-by-step, beat-by-beat, a wrestling match. And there were some people who really wanted to work with Randy Savage because he was doing that, and there were a lot of people who never wanted to work with Randy Savage. A lot of guys want to call it in the ring. And so the system in pro wrestling has been, for the first 45 or 50 years of this business, has been the bad guy, the heel, calls the match. He calls the spots, he usually starts off with an advantage, and he tells the guy when to do his comeback And they plan a few big moments in the match beforehand, and that was it. The heel called it. If you got a guy who's a heel, and he's wandering the territories, and he's good at calling matches, he's always got a job. Now, totally different business. But Randy Savage started that, choreographing the entire match. The Young Bucks, they're the most guilty of match choreography. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. What I'm saying is it's a bad thing... When you get two teams that try to out choreograph each other. Look, I'm not interested in watching a Paula Abdul music video. I'm here to watch pro wrestling. So if all you've got for me are a bunch of dance steps, I'm going to tell you go to ABC. Take your ass over to Carrie Naba and get on with some dancing with the stars like all the other ex pro wrestlers and ex football players do. But this is pro wrestling. Don't come out here when your vice presidents of the company having non title matches. You're the champs. If all you're going to do is job somebody out anyway, just put the belts on the line. Hell, put the champion of the universe on the line. Just make shit up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you're not going to let TH2 beat you in the opening match of the card. Title or non-title. So just make it a title match next time, and next time a little less dancing. Post-match, speaking of nonsense, we, we set up a feud between the Acclaimed and SCU. This is awesome. We got two teams that come out with microphones, neither of which I want to watch wrestle. We got one that raps and the other one that uses his mic stand as a walking stick. We got a guy in his 20s, thinks he needs to freestyle and trying to hold down the integrity of his rap so he doesn't write anything. And he comes out and makes a fool out of himself half the time. And another guy who's 61 years old and can barely walk. Hey, listen, Christopher Daniels. A little less promo, a little less t-shirt design, a little more sit-ups, okay? I don't need to see Christopher Daniels in the ring either on Dark or on Dynamite every week. I'd like a little less Christopher Daniels all around. I'd like a little less in the midsection and a little less on TV. So until this guy can get in shape and stop looking his age, he doesn't need to be on TV. Hey, put Billy Gunn next to Christopher Daniels, and every time Christopher Daniels shows up in the locker room, just give him one of those, uh, give him one of those fat heads of Billy Gunn, those life-size Billy Guns, and just make him stand next to it. Hey, right, have you gotten any smaller yet, Chris? How's your gut doing today, Chris? Send him home until he loses some weight. That's what the WWE does. You get pudgy in the WWE, they send your ass home. Tony Khan's got the biggest roster in the world right now. Take a look at all the females he's got wrestling on Dark. He's got girls that aren't on his website listed on the roster that he's using regularly six, seven times. So, Christopher Daniels, you don't have to be a regular if you can't find time to hit the gym. You can be a part-timer and maybe spend a little more time working on that gut. Next up, we got a Darby Allin promo, somebody everybody cares way more about than either Christopher Daniels or the acclaimed. And in this black-and-white Darby Allin pre-produced promo, we set up Darby versus Brian Cage and Darby versus Sting. And I'm sure most people would rather see Darby versus Sting, because Sting actually has some idea what he's doing. But Darby seems to say in this promo that he's okay with both. I'm okay with both so long as Brian Cage doesn't go over. Brian Cage, he doesn't know how to use a mic. He's probably the most agile bodybuilder in the business. However, that doesn't mean I want to see him win matches against guys that are actually charismatic and who have a body that might stick around longer than three or four years. You know, Cage, he gets his first major world title, and we don't see him for six months. Because he's too big. He gets hurt. He's too big, and he does too many acrobatic things. For you in AEW that hadn't seen Brian Cage on the indies, you have no idea what you're in for. This guy, when he does get a push, he's saving stuff right now. This is the most acrobatic big man you've ever seen. They're just telling him to hold back, and they're not letting him do it, because they don't want to give him up mid-card. You know, they don't want to give this guy up with another knee injury or a back injury and an opening match that nobody's going to remember. So Brian Cage is being told to hold down right now. When he does get a title push, you're going to see some spectacular things. All right, Cody Rhodes, Tony Schiavone, and Sting cutting a promo. The story here is going to be that Sting is treating Cody Rhodes like a child. And this is going to be a good story because Cody's good at selling it. Sting seems to want a TNT title shot against Darby Allen. And you know that Cody's enough like his dad. That he's going to put himself right in the middle of all that. Because the fans are going to want to see it. The fans love Sting. The fans love Darby. And the Rhodes boys can't stand it when somebody else brings some real heat and gets some fans behind them. So Cody, I'm sure, will be at ringside. And he'll be inserting himself right in the middle of Sting and Darby's storyline. But the Sting-Darby match is what everybody really wants to see right now. And Sting says he's not really interested in feuding with Cody. Because, again, he's treating him like a child. So... That'll carry on for a while. Tony Khan's shown that he's good at doing long storylines, and I appreciate that. If Sting's here for a long-term contract, let's not rush everything. Let's take our time. Unfortunately, we leave this match and we go to the Varsity Blondes, which is just gross, taking on FTR, which is gross. Uh. I don't want to see either of these teams. What we had here was a whole lot of man-hugging and a whole lot of ass slapping, and a bunch of guys in trunks. These guys are wearing trunks. A bunch of dudes in their underwears doing man things, and I don't want to see it. It's a bunch of man wrestling, but I will say one thing. Griff Garrison has a terrible look and a terrible gimmick right now, but he's got a lot of talent, he's got a lot of energy, and he's probably going to be a star. When he gets rid of Brian Pillman Jr. as a tag partner, when he cuts his hair, when he stops wearing purple tights and slapping his ass, uh, Griff Garrison, he's out on the apron, rooting for the tag. He's jumping up and down. He's he's getting all these wrestlers at ringside to act like fans with all of his energy. It's contagious. Uh, he gets in the ring. Just so much energy. He's probably going to hurt himself the way he's moving around, but he's 21, 22 years old. He's going to be a star. You keep him healthy. You get him away from Brian Pillman Jr. You cut his hair, give him a manager. Kid will be a star. FTR wins, by the way, because of course they win. The varsity blondes are just a terrible gimmick. Dark Order 10, Preston Vance versus Gold Dustin Rhodes. In the first about 90 seconds of this match, Preston Vance tries to do some kind of slam on Dustin. And Dustin hits what JR calls the ring frame. He hits it strange. It looks like he hurts his inner right thigh and maybe his abdomen. And he's not the same the rest of the match. So 90 seconds in, this match slows way down. Gold Dustin Rhodes starts looking like the 51-year-old that he is. We end up with a quick finish, hits a bulldog with a quick pin, Dustin gets the win, and post-match, the Dark Order comes out, and they start courting Dustin. They offer him the job as number seven, to which Tony Schiavone complains, nobody wants that number, nobody wants to be number seven, which is actually really funny. You know, this Dark Order, they're going to tag with uh, Hangman Page in a six-man tag next week, and they were all excited about it when he agreed to be their tag team partner, and, you know, they got me considering watching Being the Elite. I just assumed that being the elite was the young bucks sitting around talking about how great it is to be 162 pounds and never go to the gym. I just assumed that's what it was every week, and occasionally their friend Cody might pull up in a golf cart, or Kenny Omega can pull up and be like, I'm Kenny Omega, because like nobody in America ever had any idea who Kenny Omega was. So I figured that being the elite was just all of these guys that really couldn't get over in mainstream talking about how great they were. But the Dark Order apparently spends a lot of time on Being the Elite, and some of these Dark Order guys seem pretty funny. And I gotta admit, the Young Bucks, they're fairly entertaining. So I'm kinda leaning towards binge-watching Being the Elite so I can see a little bit of Hangman Page and why people support this guy. And so that I can see more of these Dark Order guys, because now that they've been cut loose from the Brody Lee gimmick, I really like them. We should talk for a moment about Brody Lee, bringing you a little news here. I talked about last week how I thought that there was a shift in focus of the Dark Order away from this ruthless group that's sacrificing people to the greater good and to Mr. Brody Lee, to a group that's apologizing for past behaviors and trying to do a softer form of recruiting, and we haven't heard anything about Mr. Brody Lee. So I checked the internet, and Bing tells me the other night at like 3 in the morning that Brody Lee died. I couldn't believe it. has this picture, tells me Brody Lee died in Georgia, and he was 73. And I'm reading this, and I said, like, God, he never looked 73. And I realize it's a different Brody Lee that they've that Bing just grabbed the picture, the most popular image of Brody Lee. And it's Brody Lee from AEW, so there he is in his garb and his gimmick, next to an obituary. And had they not had in bold Huge Print, died at 73, it would have taken me longer. So Brody's alive. No one knows his injury. It hasn't been disclosed. ProWrestling.net talked about how the last time he'd been seen was in the dog collar match. And to be honest, I can't remember the last time I saw him. That sounds about right. But it's strange that they won't disclose the injury, especially since they're all in Florida and there's a pandemic right now. And I know for a fact that a festival just took place in St. Augustine at the end of November where no pandemic protocol was followed. And there are pictures that made their way to Instagram of elbow to elbow people, probably 80 people in a photo, none of which had masks around their face, taking part in a scavenger hunt through the old section of St. Augustine, Florida, which is just down the road from Jacksonville. And that doesn't speak to where these wrestlers are in the pandemic. What it speaks to is the culture of Florida, where they're based. And, you know, if you're a company and you're doing everything you can to keep your COVID numbers down, I salute you. But your guys, they got to go to the gas station sometimes. Every once in a while, they're going to need to to go to the grocery store, to go somewhere. And if you happen to be in a state that has a legislation that's not pushing protocol, if you have citizens who are rebelling against it, it's going to be really hard to keep your guys safe. And I realize that it's not always advantageous to come out to the dirt sheets and report everybody's injury. But these are extraordinary times in an extraordinary situation that we hope won't last forever. And you took a guy who was getting a real push and you built a stable around. You built the stable around him before he was even under contract. And you placed him in the role. And now you're changing the stable and you're not talking to us about what he's sick with or what he's injured with. So it looks bad, AEW. I'd like to know. Where Brody Lee is, what he's ill with, if he has an injury, what is the injury, why can't he work? I'd like to know. Maybe AEW will tell us something at some point. When Brody Lee comes back, I'm kind of curious if he'll bring anybody with him. Eric Rowan's still out there as a free agent. I think Brody Lee would like to be separated from Eric Rowan. He spent a lot of his career next to Eric Rowan, but they were a cool tag team. I thought whatever incarnation of those guys I got to see, whether it was the Wyatt family or the Bludgeon Brothers, they were a formidable force. and It's just hard not to pay attention to two vicious-looking, huge guys like that. So one way or another, the Dark Order's moving on without Brody Lee. If he comes back, he may fit back in, but I don't know that he fits into this softer, darker order. Interview backstage, Tony Schiavone, Brandi Rhodes, and Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Shaq says he's not interested in wrestling right now, which you really can't have any reason to believe he's on a wrestling program. But then he tells Brandy, he's very polite for a while, before telling Brandy that while she's got her arm in a sling, she should get some tips from Jade Cargill. And Brandy takes Tony Schiavone's beer and throws it in Shaq's face. And this, it's a hilarious look, his face is covered in beverage and he's hes looking shocked and angry at the camera It's a very highly produced shot. It's a black background, HD, Shaq's all wet and looks strange. And I started thinking about all the times, I was an NBA fan growing up, and all the times I've listened to Shaq cut promos that had nothing to do with pro wrestling. Shaq, when he comes up, he's down in Orlando, and he just decides one day, he announces to the league in an interview, from henceforth I will be known as the big Superman. I am the big Superman. And it's pointed out to Shaq, like there's another guy that goes by Superman in the league, but he doesn't care. He's Shaq. He doesn't care. From now on, I am the big Superman. And then, you know, his career moves on. He doesn't win anything in Orlando. He ends up in L.A. And while in L.A., he decides to announce one day, "...Henceforth, my name will be... I'll be known as the Big Aristotle. I'm the Big Aristotle." Now, listen, I'm fairly certain Shaq has no idea who Aristotle is. And if somebody told Shaq that Aristotle was a Greek philosopher, I don't know that he could have found Greece on a map, or I really could have explained to you what a philosopher is. But Shaq was known as the Big Aristotle... So then late in his career, he gets moved to Phoenix, right? He gets moved to the Phoenix Suns. But at this point, Shaq, whether he's incapable or he's just lazy, he can't muster the motivation, he is not playing D. He's not hustling back down court. So we better score, right? And when we don't score, Shaq, he just kind of stands stationary. He'll move his arms like he's jogging, but if you look at his lower half, it's just straight walking, just straight walking. And so one day after the match, he announces, from now on, I'll be known as the Big Cactus. I'll be known as the Big Cactus. Now, everybody thought that was a joke, right? It's like, oh, well, Shaq's calling himself the Big Cactus. It's one of his 15 nicknames. No, 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 no. Shaq was trying to tell everybody that he wasn't going to move anymore. You know what a cactus don't do? It don't move. Cactus stands still. And that's what Shaq did in Phoenix. He stood still like a cactus. I'm a Big Cactus. I'm a Big Cactus. So now he's in AEW saying, I got a lot of respect for Cody Rhodes. Okay. I'd love to see Shaq in the ring a few times. You know, people forget he showed up to help Hulk Hogan celebrate... His first WCW championship victory in 1994. Uh, Hulk Hogan fought Ric Flair, wins the belt. Shaquille O'Neal is there. Made no sense. What the sense it made was that Shaquille O'Neal liked pro wrestling. And WCW, it was so corny. And it was so hokey back then. AEW is a serious product. It's an adult product. It's fun to watch. It's real pro wrestling for the most part. Young bucks. Real pro wrestling for the most part. So it'd be cool to see Shaq here. Taking himself seriously in his pro wrestling gimmick. The Inner Circle next has conflict resolution. They decide they're going to give it another go and work things out and shake hands, but Sammy Guevara, the thing to walk away from here with is Sammy Guevara threatens both MJF and Chris Jericho, saying he has had it with MJF's antics and he ain't going to take it anymore and he wants them both to know. So that's pretty cool. We're setting up the breakup of the Inner Circle. We're setting it up that MJF used them so that he could keep his ring and get a push and have protection. And then he'll dump them when the time suits him. Sammy Guevara versus MJF will be a feud that we see for years and years if Vince McMahon doesn't poach one of them. Next up, my girl Tesha Price, the most sympathetic character in women's pro wrestling. She's 0-5 coming into this match, and for a month now on Dark, I've been begging for Tesha Price to win a match. I've been asking on Twitter, when does Tesha Price get to win a match? She takes on Abaddon. You know, I was saying on Tuesday... Tesha Price she's facing Diamante. Tonight's not her night. Well, when you take on Abaddon, that's not your night either. Tesha just keeps showing that she can sell, and she sold great. This was a one-minute match, so it was an absolute squash, but Tesha got the call up to do this squash, and I had just pointed out if she keeps selling the way she's selling on AEW Dark every week, you can't leave her down there languishing on the YouTube midcard. That she belongs on Dynamite? Here she is. So one minute squash, she looked great getting beat. Then uh, Hikaru Shida comes out with a kendo stick and kendo's Abaddon in the head and saves Tesha Price. And they stand on the ramp together, and Tesha's still continuing to sell the one minute beat down and panting, looking like she's going to cry. Tesha's got a big future in pro wrestling, love that. And by the way, listen, I know I'm going to catch some heat from this, but when Abaddon's wearing her panties, it, listen, when Abaddon's wearing the panties and she's got the sheer stockings, uh, here come the booze, the sheer stockings underneath, and she's crawling on her hands and knees, and there's a little jiggle as she's moving. I'm telling you, even the zombies in AEW are hot. They are. Don't tell me we're not supposed to sexualize women pro wrestlers when they're all wearing panties and sheer stockings. Come on. When they're tattooing their bellies with weird death symbols. Come on. Abaddon, something else. She's scary. She's like the answer to Sue Young over in Impact Wrestling. I love me some Sue Young. I call Rosemary in Impact the undertaker of women's wrestling, but Abaddon is a great performance. I assume Abaddon's been out for pandemic-related reasons, but she's going to be getting a push now. She just walked in off the street. They gave her the number five contender to the women's title, so that's telling you that you should expect her to be moving up for a match with Sheeta. Next up, what I'm calling the match of the night, we got Eddie Kingston, the Butcher, and the Blade with the Bunny versus Lance Archer and the Lucha Bros. Lance Archer's first babyface turn since his time in AEW. Apparently Lance Archer's worked both sides throughout the Independence and in Japan. This is the match of the night. Really physical match. Pentagon Jr. gets taken out of the match by ring officials, probably as part of story. He probably wasn't injured, but they made it in story appear that he was which makes it a 3-on-2, and with the bunny out there, a 4-on-2. Butcher and the Blade hit a neckbreaker on Ray Phoenix, and they get the win. Post-match, Lance Archer gets to clear the ring of the three of them and look all tough and beat everybody up some more. So Lance is a babyface now. We got to see the first babyface move from Jake the Snake Roberts this week, too, uh, reaching in the ring and trying to trip somebody to help Lance Archer make a comeback. It was pretty cool. I'm fine with all of this right now. The Lucha Brothers are the best tag team in the world. So if you want to keep putting them in six-man and eight-man tag matches because you've got to take turns with FTR and the Young Bucks, fine. But again, Lucha Brothers, best tag team in the world. And when I talked about how I'd seen the Young Bucks before they were in AEW and I know that they can put on great matches, one of those matches I saw was a three-tag team match and it involved the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks and it was a ladder match. I know that the Young Bucks can put on great matches because I've seen them do it with real professional wrestling tag teams. That just wasn't tonight. And the Lucha Brothers, you put them wherever you want on the card. But if you let them work tag team matches, it's obvious to everybody watching that night, they're the best tag team in the world. Interview with Don Callis and Kenny Omega next. To so the line of the night, Tony Khan, if you feel taken advantage of, you're welcome for the lesson. Uh, welcome to the wrestling business, kid. This is a great line. Kenny Omega talks after that, but only for a couple of minutes. And Omega, he's just not a great promo. But Don Callis is, so this pairing will work. Finally, we got the main event tonight, which... You know, I just don't care about anything that involves MJF. So it's Orange Cassidy versus MJF for this diamond ring, whose gimmick I still don't totally understand. Uh, The ring ends up surrounded by inner circle members on one side and enhancement talent on the other that are brought out by the best friends to offset the power of the circle. I don't know. We got guys like Griff Garrison out there, though. So it did keep the inner circle at bay for some time. They didn't want to get anywhere near Griff Garrison's gimmick. I understand. But eventually, it turns into pandemonium outside the ring, and Rusev Miro runs in. He squashes Orange Cassidy on a referee distraction, and MJF gets the arm drape pin. This sets up Miro versus Orange Cassidy, probably at the next pay-per-view event. Miro came out on a Versace sweatshirt, and it's awful. Listen, I understand that your wife wishes she could be more of a part of your career. I understand when you know she's being put through tables in the Terror Dome, and you're over here in Jacksonville. And you guys feel so far apart, even though you're only about 80 miles apart. Really, stop letting her pick out your clothes, though, Miro. Because this Versace sweatshirt you wore with its rainbow cheetah pattern, this was awful. And this is just simply Lana telling him, Remember that sweatshirt I bought you? I want you to wear that. Yeah, of course she does. She wants to have power over you. But you need to not let your wife dress you, Miro, because you look like a fool. And that means Orange Cassidy looked like a fool taking bumps from you. And that means even stupid-ass Kip Sabian looked like a fool standing next to you. Kip Sabian knew not to wear that sweatshirt? Don't you have any friends, Miro? Miro, don't you have a friend can tell you? Friends don't let friends wear rainbow cheetah print Versace sweatshirts that their wife lay out for them. Alright, so get a friend, Miro. This has been the All Pro Wrestling 100 Podcast's AEW Dynamite Recap. Thank you for listening. We're going to have a Ring of Honor episode 481 recap drop this weekend. We're also going to have SmackDown review on Saturday morning. So subscribe where you listen. Try to check out our new Twitter account. It only has like one follower. I I don't know how to use Twitter, okay? Or hit us up on our Gmail account, APW100podcast. Thank you for listening.